Hello, today is Monday, February 19th, and welcome to episode 299 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI's founder and executive director, Jamil Jaffer. I'm joined today by NSI's deputy executive director, Jessica Jones, and senior fellows, Morgan Vigna and Les Munson. So today we're going to be talking about, surprise, surprise, the Middle East. Uh, war continues to rage between Israel and Hamas. Uh, with Israel expanding operations into uh, southern parts of the Gaza Strip, uh, causing some amount of controversy uh, with the United States as well. Uh, but more importantly and more troublingly, attacks continue by Iran-backed Houthi rebels off the coast of Yemen and the Red Sea, uh, conducted against commercial shipping and U.S. military vessels. In particular, we saw continued drone strikes, but we also saw the first attack and defeat by the by U.S. military ships of a Houthi undersea drone. So we're talking about essentially a submarine uh, run by the Houthis, uh, provided obviously by Iran, obviously a concerning shift. In addition, uh, around the same time, Saturday, Sunday, we've heard reports that there were two incidents of Israeli airlines, El Al, the National Airline of Israel, attempting to be diverted by somebody, we don't know who, uh, over over the air between, uh, over Africa, uh, likely around Somalia or Somaliland is the, is the is is the understanding. Not clear what these attackers were trying to do, uh, whether they're trying to ca- cause them to crash or cause them to land or hijack them. Uh, but these crews, apparently in a heads-up move, realized what was going on, were able to switch other other frequencies and the like, and ultimately determine uh, that they were being diverted and 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 go on their safe way. So two efforts going on in the area uh, of operations where U.S. military forces operate against Houthi rebels. And in addition, you've got Iran and its Revolutionary Guards Quds Force allegedly, according to the Washington Post, telling their proxies both in Iraq and Syria and Hezbollah in uh, in Lebanon, as well as the Houthis, uh, to lower their lower the scale of attacks, to slow down the pace, that, that these are not benefiting Iran. That's the claim by the Washington Post. What do we make of it, Morgan? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing about 200 plus attacks, and I'm ballparking here, uh, on U.S. forces since, uh, since, uh, 10-7. And so, look, I mean, any sort of deterrence that we're seeing that the administration is trying to project here is clearly not working. Um, look, the Houthis are not one of the most sophisticated terrorist organizations in the region, and yet they are using incredibly sophisticated equipment. It seems like that there are, um, I think we can all safely say that all of this stuff is coming from Iran. So regardless of whether or not the Washington Post or the uh, the administration officials that are feeding the Washington Post this story want to actually say that um, the IRGC is trying to encourage their proxies not to attack U.S. forces, that ain't working. Um, there is zero deterrence in the region. We're going to continue to see more sophisticated attempts to attack U.S. Uh, forces, as well as commercial shipping vessels. Uh, making the the region even more perilous and driving up the cost of consumers in the long run. So, bottom line, I think the the IRGC um, is going to continue to to, to fund um, and back the Houthis and other proxy groups in the region, regardless of whether or not the the Biden administration tries to spin a narrative that they are indeed um, tamping down and trying to. Re- de-escalate. Well, what about that, Les? You know, a lot of a lot of Republicans, uh, including someone's podcast, me, uh, said to the administration, you've got to hit Iran directly if you're going to tamp down uh, these attacks. But in fact, they, they didn't do that. They only went after uh, the, Iraq, the Iraq-backed groups in Iraq and Syria after the killing of Americans, three Americans in Jordan. 
And it does appear, though, that other than a responsive attack on February 4th, the day after the American response, um, it does appear that for the last, you know, whatever, almost two weeks, there haven't been attacks against American soldiers in Iraq and Syria without the government going directly against Iran. And given this story, whether planted or not by the administration, that Iran is telling these groups to back off, might the administration have been right uh, that attacking the, the, the proxy groups would be sufficient to create deterrence in the region? Well, let's uh, let's level set here. It's it's a really bad situation in the region. There's all kinds of trouble uh, in addition to what's happening in Gaza. These Houthi attacks against commercial shipping, the possibility of Israel war with Hezbollah, the Iranian backed attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. I think the administration is rightly trying to tamp down on any expansion of hostilities, whether it's doing it in the right way or not on a case by case basis, I think is completely up for debate. This has I, I view the story in the post that we're talking about as kind of a masterful spin job uh, by the White House to make the case that its policy is effective. There's a reason to believe it might be effective with respect to the proxy groups in Iraq and Syria, certainly not effective with respect to the Houthis so far who continue uh, to attack commercial shipping in new and more creative and more technological ways. Uh, right. The issue between Israel and Hezbollah, I think, is is, is its own thing. And as we've not really seen uh, any kind of dispositive move one way or the other on that in the last few months. But uh, I, th I think that there's a larger issue here, which is that the loyal opposition has been absent. And where where are the real elected, no offense, Jamil, where are the real elected Republican <laughs> voices on this? They're all distracted by uh, the border, which is a legitimate issue, or defending whatever crazy statements have come from uh, Republican presidential candidates rather than making an alternative case for what the uh, administration policy in the Middle East has been. So I'd, I'd, I'd really like to see some of our congressional leaders in particular step up and voice uh, what should be alternative and better approaches to Iran, whether it's striking directly against Iranian assets somewhere in the region, such as some of their ships that are in the Red Sea and other places, possibly directing these attacks by the Houthis, or completely ratcheting up our economic sanctions on Iran. Something directly with Iran has to happen. And, and there's no Republican voice out there really saying that, except for your fine words, Jamil. Well, I don't think that's right. I mean, I think there are some, some members of Congress that called for a direct attack against Iran. I mean, there's a lot of voices actually, I think, less uh, re referring to this idea of creating economic sanctions. Just what about that? Less says you could do direct attacks against Iran. You could do economic sanctions. My view, of course, is the economic sanctions don't work. We should go back to maximum pressure, but it's not going to have a material effect. Jess, what do you think? I think, you know, we sometimes when we start our Monday podcast, it seems like World War Three is going to start. And for uh, for once, I actually feel like this was a relatively calm weekend and week where I don't start our week thinking it's the end of the world. And so I think to Les's point, whether the administration can, has a plausible argument that they're actually deterring Iran. There hasn't been attacks in almost two weeks from proxy groups in Iraq and Syria. Again, the Houthis are an outlier because they're continuing their attacks. Um, but there is a plausible argument that something's working. They're just trying to keep down escalations until hopefully there's a ceasefire. Uh, but I, I do wonder as, you know, you know, we have activity starting in Tarafa, as you see the UAE stories last week, UAE and other Arab countries possibly restricting um, U.S. military from using assets there to do to attack Iranian backed proxy, proxies, where that changes the calculus in the region. And that we see again an escalation and not so much a positive Monday episode next week. It's so interesting, Justin, you think that you're that you're today is this is the one week you're not worried about World War Three, given that we found out the Russians are about to put nuclear weapons in outer space I mean, last I mean, week. Starting from this region, I'm not even getting into 
to Russia, Ukraine. I, I mean, and, just this this region. One at a time. And they killed Alex. And they Vladimir Putin killed Alexei Navalny. All <laughs> while the Munich Security Conference is going on, you know, threatening, sort of, sort of making the point to the U.S. that we can't actually do anything about him. Uh, well, we'll find out if World War Three is afoot. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks so much to Devlin, Bernie, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for the help of producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, February twenty first. For another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the National Security and Foreign Policy Rates Shaking Up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for today's episode. And if you like what you heard or saw on YouTube, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.